so um hey i think the united states still exists today that's that's notable yeah i, I thought you were gonna ask you about the butane incident oh we yeah you, i'm interested to hear about it I, that was a that sounds like that was maybe a private matter but if you want to share with the audience <laughs> why you <laughs> texted me the phrase butane incident no there's i mean nothing, it's never weird. something you want to read in your friend's text message God, you made it sound weird now you've made it weird joe now you've made it weird no, so I, you know, look, you can see here in the Zoom, in the, oh, yeah. in the video, yeah, I made some coffee. Yep. Uh, as you know, uh, my daughter is here for another week before she goes back to college, and mm-hmm. I've taken to, like, I, I will usually have, I I tend to have two cups of coffee a day, like one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Lately, I've started to take to three, to be honest with you. But mm. anyway, um, she is going back to college, so I've been trying to make, like, a special coffee in the afternoon, because she usually likes one around 2.30 as well. Oh. So, I thought I would use today the 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 uh, Japanese vacuum coffee oh. maker thing that we have, which is actually you know it seems fussy and everything, but it actually it's not it's not so bad, and it makes interesting different tasting coffee. I've used a um, a vacuum style coffee maker a few points in t- in time in the past. I can't recall who it was Bodum might have been the manufacturer. I don't I don't quite recall, but. Um, but yeah, they're super fun to use, and the coffee that I made those times was quite delicious. It's, so. it's like a very clean kind yeah. of taste to it. it. Mine is, I think, a Hario or something. I got it for like, family got it for me as a gift because you know once you're the coffee guy, yeah, you get all kinds of coffee gifts, right? Right. You know, right. coffee subscriptions. You get coffee. You know, interesting things. But it's always been fun. Like yeah. This year, this year uh, for Christmas, they got me. I gave you a, a pour-over pot at one point, didn't I? I mean, even I've succumbed to the did give you? the coffee guy a gift. Remember that um, kettle that? Oh he, yeah, you gave me the up? kettle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I use that. I've got a, I've got a scale. I've got th- this Christmas they got me a uh, Vietnamese fen coffee maker little thing, which is oh. makes an interesting little cup. And so all these things, like they could, you you might think, well, it's too precious or whatever. They're actually not very hard. They all work on the same principle, you know, pour boiling water over grounds. It, grounded different things but they're all interesting and fun and and, and they're good so anyway I'm, I'm getting the the hario vacuum coffee maker kind of set up and, and the one thing you have to do is you can bring water to a boil and you put it in this like vessel this like erlenmeyer flask looking thing i don't know if it's actually that but i like saying erlenmeyer flask but it looks like oh, a chemistry set right and who doesn't it's a, yeah. a little bulbous kind of glass thing and underneath it you have to put a butane burner or something to kind of heat up the water so that it boils, mm. and then when it boils, it forces the water up this little thing up into the chamber where it mixes with the coffee grounds, and pressure holds it up there until you take the flame away, and then it kind of sinks back down again. So right. very fun, and so I turn it on, and I've got it all ready. I'm going to make a fun cup of coffee for her. I'm getting ready to steam her milk and everything, and then the flame dies because my little butane burner is out of butane. Oh, and it's kind of a problem because I've got, I've got this thing to fill like one of these uh, um, aerosol cans to fill the thing with butane again, but it like. It never quite fills it up how much I think. Like sometimes I, I think I'm filling it up, but it doesn't fill up. And then I kind of smell butane. I'm like, well, where's it going? And so I have to go right. back and forth. So, so I was late because I was fiddling with butane, Joe. And I think the in the in the um, in the coffee preparation world that of this advanced type that we're discussing. Ooh, you think um, it's advanced, huh? I do. Okay. Um, look, I'm not the one using butane. <laughs> to boil water, I, I, but, uh, but it seems that way to me, and I, and it's, I, I think all these things, all these, uh, all these mishaps, all these fun little uh, ins and outs, they're, they're features, not bugs. 
right? The fact that it's sort of fiddly and, right. um, you know, maybe it will involve the singeing of an eyebrow or <laughs> uh, in some other way, um, you know, it, it, it all, it all is weaves into the narrative. And of course, everything is narrative. So um, it's interesting, right? Because it just seems so, I usually use the Chemex. Which is it's basically just a glass vessel with a filter, and you pour boiling water over it, right? Sometimes sure. I use the AeroPress, which is similar. You put a little bit of pressure in it, but um, it, it's it, it's funny because like these machines, which are simple, you just hit a button and coffee comes out. Those seem actually seem complicated to me. Like I don't know mm. what's going on in there. Like there's all kinds of stuff, and if it breaks, I don't know how to fix yeah. it, and it's, it's stuff to clean out and descale and this or that and the other. This it's just certainly seems harder very, to very see simple what's to happening. Yeah, but, I, yeah. but but in another sense, it is fiddly. So it is both fiddly and and, and simple at the same time. I see what you're that's saying. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're. I guess you're. Sort of. There are different dimensions that you could that you could consider. How transparent is it in its operation? How many different components do you have to engage with to get it to do what it's going to do? Uh, do you you know is the thing that heats the water separate from the thing that brews the coffee in its way? And I've been using French press. Uh, lately and and that's a again heat water pour it into something that has coffee grounds right and then you sort of push it down from the top after a certain passage of time uh so yeah all these different ways of doing it um, that's that's the big boy aeropress that's how i think of the french press <laughs> it's the big boy and that's aeropress. A, and that's again that's that's quite transparent in yes. operation like i can i understand what's happening it's right you know I, now i will say in much the same way that one doesn't, I, I don't understand the the circuitry and elements within the electric kettle that I use to heat my water. Um, I, I don't understand, as you say, the the sort of Mr. Coffee brewing machine, right? Yeah, that what's has going a on heating in there? element in there, and that's yeah, all that. Yeah, but I don't understand the kettle either. <laughs> right. Like so. So it's sort of you know. That, yeah. There's that there's, there's like plumbing wash. in there. There are pipes though. It's you know. There's some kind of timer. <laughs> there's a circuit board stuck in there. I don't know how it all works, but it is interesting, right? Because the kind of fiddliness that appears from the outside uh, that that you observe in an expert. I'm thinking of someone like who knows cars, right? Uh, someone who knows computers very well, and like I, I kind of know the latter well, but not the not the former. Like I, I don't know anything about cars. And from the outside, like, I don't know, this gets kind of a trope, but you know, like, um, maybe less so these days, but remember back to our childhood, it's, it was always the car guys whose car was always breaking down. Like they knew how to fix it, right? Like the, mm. they, they would be able to fix it. They'd have stuff up on blocks or whatever, at least right. in my neck of the woods, they would. Um, and, and, but, but there was, it would always be, it's, and it's the computer guy who's always got like something to fix on the computer. Right. Right. And it may be that it's, uh, in either of those instances, and I'm neither of those persons, um, but it may be that in those instances, uh, your willingness to have the things around you that break often is is precisely because it's like it's a function of the fact that you can fix it. I mean, I can't yeah. have a car that breaks down all the time because I can't fix it. Right. So, so for you, me to own such a vehicle would be really a, a completely that would just be mishap after mishap. So, so the so the car, the car expert can can buy a, a rather marginal car because it seems like a fun project, and you would never you would never buy a project car, would you, Joe? <laughs> no, and and for that person, it's it's not as marginal a car, right? And 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 the computer person is going to be like setting up special software, special like runtime, you know, uh, uh, boot time extensions and things and and trying to get stuff out of the computer that you wouldn't necessarily try to get out of the computer even though you're a little bit you're much more of a computer guy than you are a, a car guy um well i suppose but, but you wouldn't consider yourself a computer geek would you joe not really um 
and I guess we and we can make another analogy, right? The the really adept litigator will be willing to take a marginal case in a way that mm-hmm. a less experienced litigator might be unwilling to take it, right? Because they just feel like, oh, I'll you know, I can land on my feet and figure this out, and I've seen right. enough and done enough that I that I'm not as worried that this would go badly. So it's truly. Now, I'm just channeling you here. These are your words. It's truly the master litigator who would take a case seeking a remedy, say, of throwing out all of the ballots in the state of Pennsylvania. Like, well, uh, is, they're you, truly, like, outrageously, you know, hard-to-reach remedy. Like, only a, a true master would even dare, right? It, it's a, it, is a, it is a great uh, observation uh, <laughs> that, um, you know, there's challenging, and then there's, you know, Dunning-Kruger. I mean, you sort of, you don't know what you don't know because you're a dope. Right. Um and uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to blur that last one into the into the intermediate one. So should we do a maybe? Maybe this could be our pitch show for, to, to go to Hollywood. Oh, a show, a series, maybe. I don't know how wow. many seasons we could manage with it. Of, of someone who is as to coffee, like they have a coffee shop, right? And they have all these things. They've acquired mm. things to like you know serve coffee. You know they've got the espresso maker and all these. They have all the equipment. Yeah. Right. So they have all the equipment. They are as to that equipment as Rudy Giuliani is to lawyering. <laughs> Each episode is is a new way to fail using the existing equipment, and the Isn't stakes are getting the, to be quite high. This is like The Office, but it's set in a coffee shop. Yeah, the, but like with the guy at the head of The Office, Michael, I can't remember. His, wasn't his name Michael? Michael Scott. He, yeah, Michael Scott. He seemed to ha- be this sort of person. Oh, but he was he, so much more likable. Well, that that's uh, that may be. Uh, I don't have as good a recollection. I watched a bit of the American version of that series. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it got pretty tedious pretty fast. Oh, that's a that's an outrageous thing to say. Okay. I, I, I mean, I just I'm wondering how I could disagree with you more. I'm just trying to. Th- I'm imagining here. If, if you see yeah, me zoning just, out here, it's because I'm thinking like, what are some ways yeah. that Joe and I could disagree more? Really stew in it, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you just kind of marinate in that. It's weird because um, when I went back and watched the first episode, so many, you know, people said, oh, the first season wasn't good. But like so many of the amazing jokes are in the first season. Like, you know, he was talking about how he's not a racist because Michael Scott, like he doesn't even see race. He's one of these guys. He's, <laughs> and, and he's not malicious at all. Like he actually he he so wants to be a good person, but he's so attached to being loved by everybody. Like he just wants to be loved by everybody it, it does and, seem and not way. in a bad way. Um, although that that is his uh, you know that is his central defect and so like the key thing is he's not a racist and so he says you know uh, what what do you say in the words of Abraham Lincoln if you are a racist I will attack you with the north with the what (laughs) an or no with the north oh with (laughs) like the entire region of the north Joe right look I I enjoyed the first two seasons but the tropes to me got very stale um which it can let's make that all about my failings uh, m- more so than anything I'm, else uh, look, that's not I'm, I'm willing if you're um, willing yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'd be the worst person to do so um in on this and as in so many subjects um but you know the fourth wall stuff the in the room with a you know doing the little interview with the the person making the the sort of purported documentary yeah um the the uh, you know the the Jim and um god what was the Pam. um P- Jim and Pam and the Dwight Schrute insanity and uh, it's 
after two seasons of that, I was like, this is really, was really fun and is now just repeating itself. Well, I can't, I mean, I, I haven't done a rewatch. I've only like watched maybe one or two episodes back again. I feel like you can't go back again. But anyway, uh, you know, so, so I can't exactly disagree with you uh, other than to know that my former self disagreed mm. with you about this. Okay, well, that's fair enough. I, 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 my memory is they kept finding a way. Mm. They constantly found a way. But, you know, I can't disagree. I haven't seen it. This is, uh, um, uh, what are we, feedback at oralargument.org. That's feedback at oralargument.org. And uh, let us know whether... Joe is correct or incorrect that The Office was a terrible program. <laughs> oh, my. Not really what I said. I uh, think people heard what you said. I, yeah, they did. You know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on, man? What are we talking about? Is well, we're going to talk for a long time today, a short time today. What's going on? I'm, the listeners know. They know more than we do. Isn't that weird? Like, we're the ones it doing weird. it. And they know they more can look than at the do. minute counter and we can't. Right. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Strange one. You you think, though, that having done... Look, we've been at... The, the episode count doesn't do justice to how long we've been at this, Joe. We've been at You're this program... Me. We've been at this program for over seven years now. And you think... Is in those seven, You think in these seven years, we would be better We would be better at this. We'd anticipate more. We'd know... Oh, oh we I have, didn't... We have 45 minutes and 30 seconds left. And I didn't I imagine I that would happen. But is it really... <laughs> um, are, you te- are you being serious? We've yeah. been doing this for seven years? Yeah, seven years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we're, our show's in the first grade, if it were a child. Oof. First or second grade, I can't remember. <laughs> it's going to be how, held back. Depends on how advanced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> social promotion all the way. Yeah. Um, a lot's happened in those seven years, and I think uh, whew, I, we were kind of dancing around it, but um, there was an attack on the Capitol last week. We're not a current events show. There, there was. And, and, it, and, the, and the attack on the Capitol was because there was an attack on Congress and Congress was doing its work in the Capitol. Right. Uh, and it seems that the people who, um, at least many of the people who attacked the building were trying to disrupt the process going on in the building, which was a human process. Uh, these officials the- doing their official work pursuant to a law, a federal statute, uh, uh the electoral count act, um, they're so counting it was an the electoral on a building, votes but it was, from it, but the 2020 the, election, presidential election, and uh, after a rally set up by the president, which he promised would be wild, that's what he said, um, in the morning, mm-hmm. he encouraged them to march to the Capitol. Yeah. We're going to march to the Capitol, and we're going to kind of give them the spine to do what needs to be done. Yeah. Give them the strength, and I will be marching with you, he said. I'll be with you, and he promptly as soon as it as it was over turned the other way and went back to the white house and <laughs> but uh they marched on there were I, boy now i wish i had in front of me there was an article because i was wondering like how many people it was because w- one aspect of this um attack on the capitol is how it's it was really unclear as it was happening exactly what was going on and we've gotten like more and more information over the number of days but it's almost like a rashomon kind of thing where you, you yeah, see like one set of videos you're looking at it through straws like yeah, you're looking exactly. at little videos and um and i was um as you know my mom is moving because we're moving into smaller quarter i think we mentioned this on the program and okay. so actually i was actually that day taking a load of boxes to her house in south carolina so i was on the road for like three and a half hours and i i really missed it like in the middle of the day 
and I forget what I what news was going on. I think it was before it got really serious, but maybe there had already been the breach. I don't know. I tweeted in between right. in South Carolina before. So it was like, and I was listening to um, uh, Graham Greene's The Quiet American, mm. um, which is fantastic. So that, I kind of intentionally- Set in tuned, Vietnam, correct? Yes. Yeah. What a great book. And uh, So I managed to listen to the whole thing on the way there and back again and tuned out of all the news. And then it turns out to be the most consequential news day <laughs> in, in years. And that was the day I picked to kind of zone out of, of the news. And part of that is because I, you know, there's places you can't get reception. And so I felt per- like I was particularly straw-like in my views of this thing, right? Mm. Uh, both in time and and now, but as these videos have accumulated, you start to see that it was besieged from basically all sides by yeah, by many thousands of people. I think it was. Did they say eight thousand people? I think. Yeah. I think that I saw Which, an article. The most recent article I said was that I saw was like eight thousand, and the as they've gone through the timeline, um, different different in different reports, it becomes more and more apparent how there were mere minutes between the breach of the of the building and the um uh and the getting to the safety of both the senate and the house uh the members of the senate and members of the house including mike pence i'm not sure how quickly he was whisked out compared to the others i i forget i don't have this stuff in front of me but um uh the woman who was shot coming through um that was mere minutes you know um there were minutes between that and and people getting out of the building so it easily could have been that that there were Congress people murdered um, by this by these hordes had they not been held off for long enough and had this right. one policeman who acted heroically not kind of mis uh, apparently misdirected um, uh, a, a streaming horde of people coming up the steps who would have gone into the Senate chamber but instead followed right. him and so I haven't exactly again, put all un- that together but it is to me this underscores the way this was an attack on Congress not the Capitol that if they had been meeting in the old RFK Stadium that's where that's where the crowd would have gone right yeah so the, it's it was an attempt to interfere um in in the most direct and ferocious way possible with the the official acts of these people carrying out their duties as right. members of congress so that um no, I you're, think it, you're I, right to insist on that in framing, my mind it's an attack on congress yeah it's not an attack on the capitol yeah you know it's like when we talk about battles in the past oftentimes we'll use geographic sure um terms the battle of yorktown um obviously yeah refers to something other than attacking, you know, soil and water. Um, but it, sure. it's the play it's so the venue for this attack was the Capitol. And there's an, right. the reason for that is because they were trying to attack and disrupt Congress. Um, yes. You saw the remarkable video of that. Um, the lady with the piano scarf that Stephen Colbert highlighted, who he was like basically whining that she'd been maced. She's like, I got right. maced, you know, I was in. And he's like, well, what were you trying to do there? And she's like, you know, we're storming the Capitol. It's a revolution. <laughs> and yet she's upset that she got maced. So, yeah. Um, so so I, here we are. Here we are. And then there has been a decisive shift in the mood of the country. It seems like it should go without saying, but it doesn't because it's not unanimous. But I would say as decisive a margin of Americans, as you'll find in favor of anything these days, seems to condemn the assault on the on the uh, on Congress, and condemn President Trump's role in exhorting the crowds to um, to to march on the Capitol. And you, so you see things like companies cutting ties with Trump, companies um, saying that they're no longer going to donate to politicians who deny the electoral results. You. 
there's a move to impeach and remove uh, the president. There had been talk about um, using the 25th Amendment uh, by Vice President and the the Vice President and the Cabinet to uh, uh, to remove Trump, which would effectively remove him till the end of his term um, because of the way that works. We can talk about it if you want to. And um, and then Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, pretty much every social media company has uh, has booted Trump. And in some cases, they booted some other people as well. Right. People have been calling for this for a long time in response to various tweets and provocations by the president on on Twitter in particular. I'm more familiar yeah. with. But, the, you know, the 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 uh, concreteness with which he was exhorting um what amounts to violent mob rule and uh, the rapid approach of his end, the end of his term, uh, I think tipped the balance uh, in the direction that, that they took. And I understand why they took it. Uh, oh, Twitter uh, explained it. I mean, they had a post yeah. very unusual explaining why they, and, and one of the reasons they cited was that there was, was continued exhortation and continued planning Right, uh, and they were worried about a new attack between now and the inauguration, and, and presumably thereafter as well. And they wanted no part of that. And mm-hmm. and, and they're correct that there's been a lot of uh, um, fomenting and and radicalization happening on their platform, which is what people have been kind of talking about uh, for a long time. Someone actually tweeted that um, it was a bad week for Trump because he was even booted from the settings app. The. W- <laughs> The what? Saw, there was a viral tweet showing all the different uh, platforms from, uh, that he's been banned from. And, um, and yeah, and someone jokes that he was actually banned from the settings app because basically right. his phone yeah. is just a brick because none of the apps work for him. So a different, um, a different version of that joke was, yeah, he even got booted from LinkedIn. Um, mm. I, that so. I find hard to, that's impossible to believe. <laughs> Ouch. Um, and of course the, you know, it's not, it's not just, him or any other particular user, uh, you know, Parler, I think it's called Parler. Um, uh, yeah, know. I think it was originally meant to be what I heard. And of course, you know, we should use our, our professional show here, Joe, to repeat things that we've heard that we're not sure. About. <laughs> I, I heard that it was originally meant to be called Parlay, hmm, but then it okay. was kind of like they just assumed people were going to call it Parler. So and it's, I, th- I think uh, it goes yeah, by so Parler. Like Parlay, um, you know, uh, uh, that sort of meet and confer idea of parlay. Uh, I don't hey, think isn't it. it the verb for to speak in French? I thought I thought it well. <laughs> so I think I think in English you you would use a y. Um, uh, but anyway, we're let, yeah, let's. Not I think do this that. is the most. No, this is the most important aspect of this. I think we need oh to get to the word. bottom of it. Anywho, uh, the, of course th- that uh, that application. Uh, with a web interface uh, relies on things like Amazon web services and other yeah. uh, sort of internet infrastructure. And, and they've been shut down because they've been having violence and moderation problems uh, as well. Uh, well, that's what, least. yeah. So that, that actually surprised me. It did not surprise me that Google and Apple both um, banned the parlor app from the app stores in, in light of the refusal of Parler to undertake any moderation because there have been actual violent planning going on on the platform. Right. And these app stores are kind of like, well, this is one thing that I'm sure if not in this episode and future episodes we'll talk about, um, the regulation of these platforms and private regulations of platforms versus public mm. regulation, et cetera. This is a super interesting issue. But they both made the decision to ban the app from the from their respective app stores, which 
you know, leaves the parlor experience to the open web, absent, you know, apps on, on more marginal platforms um, or computer apps on, on desktops or laptops. Sure. And so you know, I kind of assumed, okay, well, the, the, you know, um, well, I, we can get into what I think, but there's still the open web where you can reach anything, including hate sites and everything else. And then, but the pressure, of course, is on hosting companies that host these things. And apparently, right. Parler had been hosted on Amazon's Amazon Web Services, which allows you to kind of, you know, virtually spin up servers that do your bidding so you don't have to have a, a Linux box in your house running your website. You can just sure. use Amazon in the cloud. Um, I've used that before. It's fast. It's fun. It's interesting. It's, you know, it works. And, and a lot of the web runs on either Amazon or I think Microsoft has what their Azure service. And so there are a few other service providers who, who, who provide this kind of virtual hosting and a bunch of smaller ones. And I think and a it, company... Yeah, and a, Amazon a company just like Amazon or 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 any like imagine to use what might be to one listener might be an extreme and very distant analogy, and to another it might be a closer one. Um, but you could like if if someone opened, um, you know, a murder for hire store, uh, and sounds like a bad, that sounds use, like a really bad store. Like that's yeah, a, that's not uh, a and wanted story. to use Amazon Web Services and wanted to use Visa to do some or PayPal to do their payment processing or whatever. Those companies would be like, no, actually, we really don't. <laughs> that's not we're not interested in providing you uh, these services. So we, we're firing you as a client. Right. We, we really don't want to sell these services to you. Right. Um, and if you're if you're running a, a website where a bunch of people get together and and talk about violent acts they're going to commit and it does seem as if they're likely to commit them um, given a certain set of facts and circumstances I can understand why Amazon Web Services would think hard about whether they wanted to continue to provide that service to that company now if you're just talking in in an open forum in a a public park and you're out up on a soapbox and you're saying stuff that is um, hateful that uh, encourages violence, uh, you have a First Amendment right to do that so long as it doesn't constitute the kind of incitement that can be criminalized under this case Brandenburg, which yes. I don't have this, the exact standard in mind, but, um, but it requires words that will lead like directly to and imminently to violence. So there has to be a very close connection, I think, in time and in, and in, and in meaning. Now, let Between me ask your you words something, and the violence. Let me ask you something about that park and um, the person who's up on the soapbox uh, giving this address. Um, if there's someone who was in the park nearby selling refreshments and that person decides, you know what, hearing a few sentences of this, I think I really don't want to be here anymore mm-hmm. selling these refreshments. Because that makes this a, a, a more interesting place to be. Someone could get a cold drink and listen even more intently as this person spins out this garbage that I don't agree with and I don't want to encourage other people to stay around here any more than they otherwise And I don't want to associate my brand with this. Yeah. And so that person packs up their cart and leaves. Okay. Right? Yeah. I don't think we would say that that person's decision has any of the same dimensions as uh, for example the public parks decision to have speaker permits or have that soapbox corner of the park where people can stand up and and give their talks right the the issues it's not that there are no issues 
it's it's simply that they're quite different, it seems to me. And the Amazon Web Services decision is more like, to me, is more like the person packing up their refreshment cart. Um, well, I, I, I think I disagree. I think the, the Amazon Web Services is more like the park. But it's a private park amid other parks. And, um, you know, I mean, th- there are lots of recreational facilities in towns that are not public parks. Yep. But which are open to the public, and we usually call them public accommodations. Yeah, I we didn't have, want to change. You started with public park, and I didn't want to change that. I wanted to leave that the same. Yeah, um, well, but well, yeah, you can, if you want to go private park, then sure, Amazon Web Services is more like a, a private area. Um, and now we're talking instead about Brandenburg, we're talking also about cases like Prune Yard and um, mm-hmm. other uh, cases about shopping malls pr- that are privately owned and people. Well, we're talking about all of the we're talking about mall. all of these things at the same time, which makes it yeah. somewhat complicated, right? The, so, right. so there's one question. I, I think the the biggest question, <laughs> which is getting lost in in our talk of like platforms and regulation of platforms, because it is an important question, like how we how we proceed in an era where the most important media of exchange of political and cultural ideas is all privately owned by large companies yep. it is a big issue, a big problem. What should not get lost, and, and, and important caveat, an important part of the thing that I'm about to say. In other words, an important kind of, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, um, an, an important uh, fact, a generative fact of the problem I'm about to talk about. So, But we should not lose sight of the fact that the main problem is that a bunch of terrorists stormed the Capitol trying to, many of them trying to kill members of Congress and certainly to disrupt their business. Like that is far and away the biggest problem. Yes. Secondary to that, we have a president who exhorted them uh, to march on the Capitol and many would say to disrupt that there's an issue there as to how far he went with that. I get that. We can come back to that. But then there's also tertiary to that and even more important still than the platform stuff i think is the big lie the lie about the election right that the continued lies which are only unlocked and made possible because of a tolerance of and a promotion of many many small lies over decades by right-wing media and this is an issue where there's just not there's not an equivalence here between kind of right-wing and left-wing talk where you can say both sides do this, both sides. No, there's a straight line from Rush Limbaugh to Fox News to now Newsmax and these even crazier networks like OAN, which promote a constant stream of lies and a blowing up of these non-controversies. Some people call them non-troversies. That was a phrase I particularly liked where the, you know, the, the swift boat veterans for truth, the uh, Obama's a socialist, Obama's born in Kenya, um, uh, Benghazi, you know, all of these things, right? There's just a constant stream of garbage. Right. And it has become tribal to latch on to the latest piece of garbage and to just note how no one else is talking about it and to have these strong feelings about these pieces of garbage. And those feelings themselves provide the justification to keep talking about the garbage. And yeah, it just and becomes the- a spiral, an ever an ever energetic spiral of garbage that people and when become that attached spiral to gets gets focused on uh, and swirls around most specifically uh, the, whether or not the November election was a free and fair election 
Um, I mean, I think in terms of big lie, uh, that, and I think Timothy Snyder the other day in New York Times published this a piece called um, The American Abyss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was about this, it's about what you just described and about the way that the 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 focusing of this refrain of garbage lies on the election itself right. and what that would mean for whether or not um, the person who is currently the president ought to continue to service the president after January 20th um, really brings to a, a sort of a, a boil the things that resulted in last week. Yeah. Yes. And it was like everything, the whole garbage ecosystem led up to the point where the big lie was possible. The big lie is the one that if believed and if acted upon would destroy the, would destroy electoral democracy, right? Would install Trump as dictator. Like that's to me almost the definition of the big lie, right? It's the one that ends it all. And, um, uh, it was, I remember four years ago, someone said like, you know, uh, um, from, from another country had, had either on Twitter or somewhere else written, maybe it was in a book, um, like you never recognize your dictator. People never recognize this dictator. Like you never recognize them coming, right? Because they come from the old, they come out of the old ways, right? And they take advantage of the defects of the old ways and then they make a new way. And, you know, this, it's similar to this uh, phrase, which I think had a disputed origin about how American fascism will come not, you know, wrapped in a swastika, but with an American flag and a cross. Mm-hmm. I don't remember yeah. exactly what, the way it was phrased. Um, but uh, plenty of people recognize this guy for what he was, called him out for um, taking America to the precipice of the big lie. And then he told the big lie. Like, every, like it was, the crazy thing is it was not a surprise that he would tell the big lie. Everybody no. knew he was going to tell it even before. The only question is which state well, he, he himself say said he was. He yeah. himself said he was going to tell it right in advance. And then he he picks the marginal states and says these are the states where the bad stuff happened. What bad stuff? Well, this and that and stuff and things. <laughs> right. And what makes it specifically so American is that he he foc- comes to focus that on. Uh, cities rather than rural areas and cities mm-hmm. especially where uh, many African-American people live. Right. That, that's what makes it sort of a un- uniquely American. So, yeah, so it's, kind of, it's, all, yeah. it's all twisted up with uh, the original sin of chattel slavery. Um, so Com- Combined with this like Manichaean worldview of good guys and bad guys, like it's just enough to identify the bad guy, right? And you just know there are these shadowy bad guys in big cities who are throwing out ballots or doing this, you know, so much of it is projection because Trump himself is so Manichaean, right? I mean, he's just like, but, <laughs> right. uh, but, but there is that, it's a very simple worldview and all people ever need to understand is that the other side is bad and will do anything. Right. Right. And once you understand that, then you go issue by issue and you can figure out, you know, you're, you're just primed to accept this, right? You know, there, there were videos of these people on the, on the Capitol uh, attacking journalists, um, which were very disturbing yeah. And, you know, as this one journalist is kind of being pummeled through the crowd and trying to get away, there's at least one decent person among this group, at least semi-decent, who helps the person get away. Um, and everybody's going, are you Antifa? Are you Antifa? Like throughout the crowd. 
because they just assume like Antifa is infiltrating. Like um, I even had someone on my Twitter the other day, so, you know, talk about like, well, how can Antifa do this and that? And I'm like, Anti- like it just flips the bozo bit for me. Right. Like who is Ant- what is Antifa even? Right. It, it's um, it's just a level of insanity, but it's just another one of those words, another one of those touch phrases that they have. Right. And, you yes. know, Antifa, socialism. Um, uh, so what are we Benghazi. here today? To- what are we here today talking about this? To, to- well, I, I thought it was important, but if we're going to talk about the platform stuff, not okay. to background the huge, huge political problem that is irrespective of platform, but which the but which kind of the modern array of platforms may have made, you know, may have exacerbated. Right. It may have made something right. possible, which wasn't possible before, made it easier. What was harder before? I don't know exactly, but we shouldn't back Those off. Those were from, means like, to an end. Not they, they weren't. The, that's not the end itself. They right. Were, they were means to an end. But so sure. was. But, but so was the character of Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and um, undoubtedly and um, what's his name in the house um, why am I blanking um, house majority McCarthy right I mean mm-hmm. so um, you know I mean you, you've got your uh, I've just in, in, in kind of slamming this Manichaean view of, of politics I have to admit to having a little bit of it myself because these three are just bad guys right I mean in in there's a more nuanced story to tell about cravenness and everything else, but it is, you know, it's there. So you fundamentally have to decide, I think with respect to them in particular or any other particular official, I mean, you do have to decide. And again, this, this point was Snyder made this point in this, uh, Peace, American Abyss. Uh, you do have to decide, fund- and connects to the the larger point you were just making as well. You you have to decide <laughs> about where you are on this question of truth and facts. Mm-hmm. And you just can't. You 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 might think you can noodle that in small ways, and you probably can. I mean, we've I'm I'm old enough to understand the. You know, how are you today? I'm great. Like, okay, we can, <laughs> people soften things all the time, right? But but, um, you know, I, I don't try to claim I'm standing on my hands when I'm standing on my feet. I don't try to claim the cloud is the, that the sky is brilliant purple when it's blue. Um, you and the, the problem with Hawley and Cruz and McCarthy is they're on the other side of that divide. Um, they're telling little lies and big lies. And that that's the you can't be you, you said Manichaean. Uh, you know, there's uh, you, you you can't be so open to pluralism that you say, oh yeah, one of the things pluralists should talk about is whether there should be pluralism. Yeah. No, I, actually, I don't think that's true. Uh, <laughs> like this, there, what there is actually it, is are this, limits. Is this Popper's hmm? paradox about the tolerance of intolerance? Who's who's yeah, paradox and is it's, this? And I, it's it di- is. Yeah. I don't remember who. That's interesting. I don't remember who who that it's associated with a particular thinker but but it is i mean it is it is a difficult challenge but i think it's um uh it's difficult only if you lose sight of the fact that there that pluralism for example um is valuable because the alternative is sectarian strife and death yeah you know not to put too fine a point on it um but that's what history teaches, it seems to me. So uh, you really can't be even-handed as between. Um, yeah, the the idea that it's all about power and like so. So uh, one way of looking at little laws is in what are they um, in service of, 
right? So, so you know, what ends do they serve? If, if you know, you know, to use kind of a classic undergraduate example, right? If the lie is in service of hiding Jews from Hitler, then you know, a lot of us would say that the lie is justifiable, right? Um, if the lie is in service of getting like your preferred tax package through, a lot of us would say it is not, right? And then it's like, well, it's not exactly a lie. It's just like, you know, the Laffer, you know, a lot of people don't believe in the Laffer curve, but it's out there so I can just cite it. It's a thing I can cite. And, you know, and so you can cite this. And and the whole game here is we're going to cite a bunch of stuff. We don't really know. But like, I prefer to have low taxes because here are my real reasons. But I can't really say that those are my reasons. But like, here's some stuff I can say. And you're going to say some stuff. And I don't really know that you believe what you're saying. But the whole game of politics is we each kind of point to stuff and we see what sticks and we see who can convince whom of what. And I object to that entire line of, of political thinking, right? This idea that because we talked about this, maybe it was even the last show, right? There's always an argument. Like you can always cite some section of something or something to show this or that, right? It, it's, it's an argument is always available, and if you don't think an argument is always available, you probably need to think about it harder, right? You need to study more. <laughs> However, so, so one issue is I object to that. But even okay. if you didn't object to that, even if you thought that in politics, like all is fair and you just have to, you know, you make your argument, let the marketplace of ideas kind of filter through what's true and what's not true. And that's all fine. Um, I, I think for many of us, a red line is the integrity of a clearly fair election. If you're going to raise doubt about especially a presidential election, but I think any election, there is an obligation to believe what you're saying and to, and to make your claim very clearly. And in none of I the... Think there, yeah. I think there are bigger obligations than that, which is uh, it, you have to do that, right? You have to believe what you're saying and you have to state clearly what it is you're saying. But you also have to be open to the, the notion that you could be factually incorrect, Right, And so you have to engage with other people using the kinds of approaches and standards that you use in your regular daily life for other issues to figure out whether or not what you've just said is or isn't factually correct. Here's why I think right, they, so you have yes, to, you have to engage you. in other, with other people to get to right. the fact of the matter because there is one. And that that is what you're saying is totally at odds with the spiral of garbage model of Republican politics of the last two decades, Indeed. right? which is you can just point to some stuff. Right. Here's and, and we're just going to say it. So it's election observers. Our observers were kept out, which is one of these garbage points, which yep. is, is. I was just trying to focus true. on. Yeah, I was trying to focus on the idea that you say, you know, you've got to believe it and you've got to state it clearly. But that's actually not enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there are people who believe the things that are that the lies that are being spewed. That's right. That's one reason why they get spewed is because people, other folks will believe them. And that, I mean, that's true of all of, yes, and I agree with you. That's true of all of these kinds of garbage spiral politics things, right? There are people who believe the Swift Boat stuff. There are people who believed right. the the um, Benghazi stuff, right? There's There, there are people who believed all of these things and, and believe that they have deep meaning. So um, as an official, if you if you just stopped at, I, I believe it and I can state clearly in particular what it is I believe. Right. You, that, that actually <laughs> probably covers a lot of people engaged in a lot of crummy what I think is is really bad and corrosive behavior, and um, but I don't think it 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 captures quite what Cruz and Holly are doing here. I mean, I have a hard time believing. No, I, I'm willing to say, okay, maybe you're not lying. Maybe you really are this ignorant about it. You have like, you know, Cruz prides himself on being a champion debater, and that whole but the whole culture of debate, 
maybe is something that we need to look at. <laughs> the mm. whole culture of the way that we talk about public issues is a game. Like maybe we need to yeah. think about about issues way more seriously than we have before. And maybe we should be training young people in taking these issues very seriously mm. and not just thinking that it's something you could argue either side of. Now that goes against the grain of not only college debate, but also law school. You know, it's another uh, another interesting thing that re- relating to the the comparison you drew before about the difference between or the contrast you drew before about, you know, if you were lying to a Nazi about the location of a Jewish person hiding in your house, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, the permissibility of that lie is it probably rooted in some n- n- notion of like, <laughs> look, that's an instance where it's like being on this team and being on that team. Like it's okay to lie to people on the other team. You were already at war. You, yeah. you and I are at war. And it's okay this, to lie yeah. about this, right? Right, because of the because of the the um, because of the the adversarial reality that exists between us, right? Right. Um, I, I think that can explain some of the Hawley and Cruz and McCarthy stuff too, mm. right? That um, a, lies to the general public in the service of their uh, objectives. Um, are, it's okay to lie to other people about that stuff if it helps them win yeah so what is because the, they're already right. because in a way they're already at war they're at war what is it that they're trying to win is it just craven is it just their own glory i, I like what what does Cruz want oh, well, well my guess is that they're like most people they they are the heroes of their own stories or at least they're not the villains of their own stories so they think there are public policy things that are good uh and that if they're in control, more of those things that they think are good will happen and fewer of those things that they think are bad yeah, I don't know. will happen. I mean, I mean, in this sense, it's just Adrian Vermeule's integralism again, right? It's, I've got a view, uh, he might say, about what I think the a top-to-bottom view of public policy objectives. And so the people who I think will do the the things I like should be the ones who have all the power. Yeah, I, I get that with Vermeule, right? That there's a conception of the good rooted in what he takes to be a true faith. And there is, um, we're badly off track of achieving it. And there's a certain form of governance which is necessary for achieving it. And we should try to get to that because that is what is good. I, I just don't know whether Cruz and Holly fit into that mix. Like it, that there is some conception of the good that they're striving after. It, it, well, does, uh, it doesn't seem consistent with their character. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, that's a fair. That's a fair uh, question to raise. Certainly, and and as to Ted Cruz, it, that m- might well be right. I, I guess what I've got ringing in my ears is this, is an interesting op-ed today from a person who studies uh, religious um, conservatism a, as an ideology, and was describing the various public speeches and position stuff that that Josh Hawley has done over the last year uh excuse me the last several years yeah um, and it sounded for all the world to me like vermulian integralism hmm. quite explicitly yeah uh, well i yeah. a sort of us and them conservative christian a battle for power because our values need to be instantiated that um you know it's th- mm-hmm. there aren't multiple goods there is a single good oh this was was this his the one i only saw a snippet of this where he like years ago railed against who was it some um i don't even know who it was it was it was some early thinker oh no yes the the pelagian heresy right 
as I think they would describe it. There we go. Sorry, I almost ran out of battery there because I had unplugged my computer, Joe. Oh, Show boy. could have come to an end early. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, what what I find interesting though is because we've talked about this, I think before on the show, at least in person, we've talked about it live. Like, you know, what what would Mitch McConnell? What what does he want? He was like for me, it was like very hard to explain. You know, he he just battled vociferously and continuously, and and um, uh, unendingly. <laughs> For judicial confirmation, like in in seeming bad faith, in my mind, right? These these the well, I see my mind. I don't want to claim. I don't want to uh, um, put too many caveats on it because it was absurd, like what he did with right. uh, with Garland and and the other uh, and the and and it's Supreme interesting that that he stands up at the beginning of the of the uh, when the Senate and the House go in their separate chambers to have the discussion about the objection made to the Arkansas uh, slate of electors. Excuse me, the Arizona slate Arizona, of electors. Yeah. Um, you know, McConnell starts, he's the majority leader, so he gets to speak first. And he just, he gives a, a as crisp a statement of how this is all garbage. Right. What, <laughs> as, what as he's speech? ever given. What hmm? a speech. I mean, it was very principled, right? I mean, yeah. like, we can say all we want that it's a low bar, like, n- not to support the end of electoral democracy in the United States, right? But that but, shows a transactional approach in for him that I think does not describe what, what Cruz or Hawley were doing. Well... I think everything else he's done up to this point has been very transactional and uh, mystifying to me as to what, like, what would the America that he wants really look like? But, uh, but what came through in the uh, in, in the battle for America a few days ago was this red line that we just talked about, right? He has a like maybe the the um, uh, uh, the whirlpools of garbage are acceptable means of debate about ordinary policy. Right. We can talk about socialism and we can talk about this and Antifa and all of that. And um, right. and we can use these symbols to, to trigger um, uh, kind of right wing reactions. So um, and, and he probably sees the other side as doing this, too. We can debate and I would about the degree to which we do. But he may think that's acceptable for ordinary policy. But what came through here is a clear red line for this kind of debate when it comes to electoral democracy. Now, would that he would have done this months ago. Right, which he which he well could have. It would have, uh, a you know, a week or two after the November election, w- when the president and those around him were 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 making the big lies. Right, um, the McConnell speech would have been just as accurate and and appropriate to the moment then as it was last week. Uh, and maybe he but just he miscalculated. Yeah, I, I, yeah, all I can think is that they miscalculated. You know, there there were yeah. there were these anonymous reports of staffers on the Hill saying, you know, why not just let the guy, you know he's wounded let him blow off steam and you right. know this will all go away and like the humor him approach. yeah which yeah. i thought was absurd like what what in his past would ever indicate that would be how he would go out um but maybe they really thought that and they miscalculated and this speech was like okay he hasn't done that it's put up or shut up time and this is my red line so i, right. I don't know if that was it or not so again we're how do we so how why are we talking about these guys so we're um we're just trying to bring us back to some sort of I mean, well, we're just talking, Joe. This is an oral argument. We're just talking. <laughs> it doesn't have to be toward any end. No, that's fair. I mean, um, we're just pro- you and I have not talked about this. You and I have true. not we talked about the attack on Congress, as you put it, which I think is is apt. We so, in a sense, you and I are just processing this right now in real time. That's fair, today. and and I've talked about it with. It's interesting. It's Monday. This was last Wednesday. I really haven't talked about it with much of anybody. Yeah, I mean, well, what are you going to say? And we're all in our, you know, we're still, I mean, COVID for Pete's sake 
is 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 raging yeah. as hard as ever and um, in our community harder than than ever now here in athens and the students are about to come back and so it's just you know waves of bad we are we are in our literal bubbles i say literal right. if you if you assume a house is a bubble it's that's kind of yeah. where, where we are um so yeah i haven't so i i don't i don't feel any particular need to do anything original here or 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 hit any particular topic uh, with you today because i feel like we just haven't talked and yeah and no, i'm frustrated fair. about it and you are too and yep you know uh, and and the house i mean so like i part of the frustration is like what do you do with this guy like how can how can we cross these red lines and not immediately come together on what needs to be done right which is this guy's clearly dangerous he's a doofus this is trump we're talking about now like right. obviously a moron obviously dangerous it, that's obvious to any thinking person right now and he's obvi- he's also like not doing anything right he's, he's it's not like he's in office and he's got like he's got this crazy side but he's also like presidenting yeah. right he's he's not presidenting at all and he's yeah, dangerous but- and these are several points, not one point. Like yeah. you're na- you're naming a number of characteristics of him. Um, like if he were a non-dangerous doofus, uh, and I'm sure there have been presidents who were non-dangerous doofuses. Uh, yeah. Then then it, clearly we wouldn't be in the soup that we're in. Right. Um, it and and if he were uh, dangerous and a non-doofus, we the soup might actually be a quite a bit more acidic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and still boiling but uh you know we're in the situation that involves him so he has this unique uh ability the 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 uh, sort of the toxic narcissism the um which bends everything back toward him right uh, and et cetera, et cetera. and, and uh, the toxicity is indicated just but like we're at a point where you have about 20 737 airplanes going down every day that's the equivalent of the number of people we're losing to covid and that's just deaths every day right imagine being president in a country where you're where 20 planes are crashing every single day and you know that that's kind of baked into the cake you know you see the number of cases today you know that's gonna you know that's the number you're gonna lose three weeks from now and and not seeing that as like your top job and he's not only not seeing that as his top job he's not doing as far as i can tell he's not doing anything and hasn't done anything for months on this issue and he and his the toxicity of his narcissism is that he seems only to be thinking about the election. Right. And and there are people who are so committed, despite the fact that we're losing 4000 people a day, so committed to keeping this guy in office for life that they break windows in the Capitol building and assault police officers. Uh, yeah, so it is, it's remarkable stuff. Um, uh, so he's dangerous. He's dangerous. He's also a moron and is not actually doing anything. So it's it's a it's a combination of like misfeasance, uh, um, nonfeasance <laughs> and idiocy. Right. And so what's it for? Um, like, <laughs> stop the madness. Right. Uh, right. And yeah. and you have some Republicans who don't want to impeach and remove him, they say, because it will just inflame like in other words, we, could, we should capitulate to radical Trump terrorism by not impeaching or removing him for fear of 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 inflaming the situation. Yeah, this is the "don't leave the abuser because the abuser will be upset" argument. Right, or it's you know, or it's a "don't in, don't invade Afghanistan," or "don't try to um, 
react against Al Qaeda at all after 9-11. Is this, you know, um, one could debate whether invading Afghanistan was a good idea, but like, there, you know, it, it, the, this is not exactly the crowd that was um, advocating for appeasement and going slow. Um, in response to 9-11. Ah, I mean, yeah, that's a different, you're raising another great point, which is that, you know, it is interesting to sort of uh, line up some of the views that have been expressed by this particular cohort of folks over time across a range of issues. Um, uh, and, and across this particular issue, like what do you do in response to um, to terroristic acts? Like how, how, do, you, how do you respond right. to that? Yes. Uh, and of course there are similarities and there are differences. Yeah. Um, you know, when it's white Americans, their view seems to be one thing. When it's, um, you know, maybe non-white and white non-Americans, their view seems different. Um, or even cetera, Muslim cetera. Americans, right? I mean, ah, that too. their view is different um, on that. And, and, and immigrants and, and even legal immigrants. And anyway, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. And so where we are... Is there articles of impeachment? So it's so Trump has been essentially impeached and removed from Twitter and a bunch of platforms. The question <laughs> is, will he be impeached and removed from office? And on this, it's it's a little bit like you know you know Stripe, um, um, the credit card servicing company said we're now no longer going to process for the Trump store, whichever one of these online stores they're selling all these stupid hats on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, so they're, so they're no longer going to do that. So they're not going to be their processor. So they got to find someone else, right? And so the, the, the House's approach, what the last I heard, was going to be that they were going to pass a res- try to pass a resolution urging the um, using using the twenty fifth amendment by Pence and the cabinet to remove Trump. And if not, then they would impeach, which is a little bit like if Stripe instead had released a press release or something saying, you know, um, you know, we think that so and so should take down the website where the store is. And if they don't, then we'll consider no longer processing the payments. Well, I mean, maybe it's like that. Um, I don't look, I don't know what it's like to have one of these jobs, (laughs) meaning speaker of the house or um, majority leader or minority leader or whatever. I I, I guess I don't, I I guess when, when you, when there are multiple ways to cope with the problem uh, and the problem is as profound as it is, and part of what you're trying to do is act with dispatch, right? Um, you, I think you could say to yourself, w- w- an, a really important thing here is to make sure that whatever we do works. Yeah. And so if it would work quickly for, if he were willing, uh, the vice president and a majority of the cabinet to trigger section four of the 25th amendment, uh, a process which unfolds over a period of time and includes three weeks for Congress to deliberate about what to do, uh, that period which would exhaust the remainder of the president's current term, given that under the 20th Amendment, his term ends at noon on the 20th of January, full stop. Uh, look, if they could get that, to, and that could happen today, right? So no, you don't need to vote on the articles. You don't need to send it to the Senate. You don't need to watch Mitch McConnell stare into the spittoon for hours and on end not doing anything like if that would work it would be better i well, get why they're I, I don't saying know that would be better it, it would be instantaneous and and the president has a chance well, to kind would, of send a letter that back sense, and, but it but would it, in that, that sense be better well be, no because, because it doesn't it, it doesn't disqualify him from holding future office that, but but that could still be done right? yes so you could you you could decide it doesn't obviate, on, it doesn't obviate impeachment but it no. it makes it less pressing 
and if the danger is of the character that we're discussing, uh, getting that, keeping ones, I'm just imagining, again, having these jobs and thinking, all right, what's the goal on which I should focus the highest priority? Getting power out of his hands. How does, how does that lawfully out of his hands, obviously. Um, And so how do you do that lawfully? Well, there are multiple procedures. You know, one we haven't even mentioned. Uh, The 14th Amendment, I think it's Section 3, arguably prohibits uh, the president from holding office if he has participated in an insurrection against the United States. Yeah, but this is like... uh, And so there are multiple... That's going to be non-justiciable, and so suppose he runs again and wins. This is my point. There are multiple paths, and you just complained hey, you guys are saying do this and then we'll impeach. Uh, that doesn't seem crazy to me. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think that, you know, days ago, I thought the best thing would be an immediate use of the 25th Amendment followed at some point by an impeachment where we, a record could be made after which a conviction could be had that disqualified him. And that, that would be yes. a potentially unifying, you know, moment and a chance for Republicans to tell the truth to their voters. As Romney right. said, right? This is Romney's Correct. word. You need to tell the voters the truth. At some point, this has right. got to stop, right? That's you, the way you manage this problem is right. you start telling the truth. That's yeah. right. But Pence, for whatever reason, is resistant to this. And I don't know how much is people, you know, want other people to take the hit with Trump voters for making these decisions. I don't know how much is that. And and I don't, I don't know the different yeah. postures, but I don't see... I don't see how passing a resolution in the House calling for the vice president and the cabinet to do something significantly, or if you don't, then we'll impeach. I'm trying to imagine the set of circumstances where this is the optimal response, and I'm not seeing it. Here's one circumstance. Members have told the speaker privately that they will not vote in favor of the articles of impeachment unless it comes after that resolution you just described. But that just backs up the question. What kind you know, what is the member who says that thinking? So they they might be a a Democrat from a district that where that person passed, uh, where that person uh, was elected by a very small margin. Uh, and they they want to make sure that this isn't done for whatever value of the word precipitously that they but, might but use. How does it help uh, anyone's electoral prospects? I don't know. I don't, to, I don't know. That you passed a resolution that the vice president ignored. I, I just don't like that we get that we gave. The, it seems like also it just seems like bad practice for a legislature to, <laughs> you know, not to exercise its own powers, but to pass meaningless you know, resolutions calling for other actors to exercise their powers. Yes, like you can do I that in a press conference. You can do that I, by calling the person. And you I can think exhort. You're, giving, you're giving great reasons why you, if you were a member, would not uh, be insisting on this strategy. Um, the, I, guess, I guess part of what I'm trying to suggest is one thing that I think when I see strategies in, in Congress, especially strategies that, that aren't what, what I would be inclined to do. Yeah. I think to myself, huh, someone must be insisting on that because it seems kind of weird. And so I'd like to know who might be insisting on it and why. Like it raises questions for me. It does. Um, It's weirdness raises questions. And, And and, And those questions are about like who thinks this is the important thing to do first. And who is unable to talk sense into that person? Like that, that's, another, <laughs> well, that's like, a different matter. Well, no, but, it's a different matter, but it's part of the same question. Right. So, you know, overall, in, in, yeah. In the end, like, you know, this is a big boy job. Right. And yes. Nancy Pelosi's got a big boy job. 
just got right. and 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 uh, you know god knows it's hard and there are lots of moving parts some of which we don't see and so she might be doing the absolute best that can be done under the circumstances to minimize the risk of like civil war and all kinds of problems. Like, I don't, or, I don't know. Or, or, or even just seems... simply to consider like getting a majority vote in favor of a thing. Like it, a vote gets taken and, and there is a number it has to reach. And if it won't reach that number, you don't get what you want. Yeah, well, it, it, and, and, and people like Paul Ryan and John Boehner might be great at having failures as right. speaker. They I, were. I think clearly if you're speaker, you're trying to bring along a certain number of, of Republicans on this. You're not going to get them all, but you don't want it to be a, a, a partisan and impeachment you want to bring along some republicans right and so the question i was is aiming like, actually for a lower bar which is to say the thing has to pass oh i think the thing will pass okay. i i think because there are already some you know republican house members who have indicated that they are in favor of this the question is like how many do you bring along and what are they demanding um i, I don't know i it, it's a tough job but um you know you have to imagine okay what are what's the scenario that's led to this moment because it's clearly like this is in, this is nuts Right. It's nuts to pass a resolution saying do this is impotently saying to the vice president, do something that the vice president has said that he's not going to do. Well, you I know? don't. And I just I'm resisting that characterization. I don't think it's crazy. Uh, nuts. Uh, I don't think it's um, I, th- I think it's unlikely to succeed, but uh, at, at actually inducing him to do it. Um, but it is as per, it is as clear an official last clear chance as can be given. And to someone who thinks that giving him that last clear chance in no in no uncertain terms with an article of impeachment sitting on the desk right behind it, um, so if someone yeah. thinks that's important, that uh, yeah, it has I mean, that it's character. Like, I, it's just like they should have done it last week. They should have done this I on agree. Friday, I, right? This and has so, all been, for my money, this has all been going too slow. Yeah, way like, too thi- slow. This thing should be Thursday and Friday. Period. Way too slow. So the the other issue I want to raise here because I, I I I tweeted about this Joe, hoping someone who knows something would would inform me on this and 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 no one has hmm. and so i i, I put that it out to the listeners folly, but... and to you and and that is this issue of the senate you know mcconnell issued this memo about when the senate could consider him uh could, could hold a trial because they are uh their session is ended and they are just having these pro forma sessions in which by rule no business can be conducted and they can only dissolve these pro forma sessions by unanimous consent mm-hmm. you're familiar with this memo you heard about this yeah uh, which is kind of amazing to me because What's amazing to you. Well, well, one, let's just suppose that this is true, that the only way that the Senate can come back and do anything is with the unanimous, unanimous consent. That means that no matter what happens in the country, a single senator could disable the Senate from legislating. And well, that seems a- to, that seems to me insane. Well, no. I mean, that is the way the Senate proceeds. That's I, the way Senate business is conducted. If you, I, it, I know by custom that people adhere to that, right? That you know that this is the we pass this rule, and 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 so uh, the Senate rules say that once you do this, and and we we uh, I guess they adjourn by unanimous consent, and they approve this procedure performa things by unanimous consent and so you need so, unanimous consent to get out of it so if I someone get that. objects you can have a vote on it and you can uh, uh, and if you're going to have a vote on it you have to ha- debate it and if you want to end debate on it you have to get cloture i mean so there's a way to do all this of course um it and so it, it doesn't mean unanimous consent because magic it means unanimous consent because the alternative is we'll keep following these other procedures that we Be- have. Well, because this is, the, well, yeah, this is the rule that we have adopted for this. And so you have to change that rule uh, to, to kind of, to get out of this. I, I understand that. Um, it, you know, um, so, so I guess if there were a real emergency, they could get out of it. But this is kind of what I was asking. If 51 senators showed up, 
they and and passed a resolution declaring themselves to be in session notwithstanding any other rule and notwithstanding any any other rule here's a here's a bill that we're going to pass or uh, you know and may, maybe we'll pass a rule um uh specifying what our procedures will be for this trial and starting a trial um i assume that that would be okay like is there i i realize that it violates senate rules but this is 51 senators saying notwithstanding any other rule here's what we're doing yeah and i suppose for i you know what what would an expert in in senate procedure say <clears throat> about the series of rulings that it would take right because if someone stands up who doesn't agree with those 51 people and says you know i object right um okay we'd, so we're going to he- hear debate on that and that you're back in the chute that leads toward a cloture vote oh right? no no they say fi- they 51 senators then say no we're not going to have any debate um, right. And then the chair is going to have to rule on that. And there can be an appeal from the chair and that gets decided by the body. So there again, there is a I'm sure an expert on Senate rules could tell us there is a procedural road that would lead to the place you have described. Right. And I, I, and I just think that um, what I'm asking is how long is that road to the extent that the 51 senators are clear that notwithstanding any other rule, here's what we're doing. It's just that they rarely say notwithstanding any other rule here. You know, normally they would proceed under the rules or yes. seek to change a particular rule. Right. Yes. Like if they were going to nuke the filibuster, they would that, nuke that particular yeah. rule. That's but, my impression. But they, in an extraordinary circumstance, like, so, you know, like I don't think the Senate's at the, you know, it's at the whim of, of um, Tommy Tuberville. Um, when, as to whether it's going to come back in session to deal with, uh, say, an attack by a foreign invading force or something like that, right? I mean, nor you know, do, nor do I. Uh, and uh, if and so, right. One, I guess, one way to describe the situation that we're in is that the current office holders uh, uh, do not appear to think that our situation is grave enough for them to proceed in a different way, right. or they would be proceeding in a different way. The, that's my conclusion. And this memo appears to say there's no way we can come back into session. And but with the caveat, if that's got to mean, you know, while we're popping off, that's <laughs> that that just me- that has to simply mean there's no way we can if we proceed as we usually do. Right. Because if we if they proceed as they usually do, that's correct. Which is another way of saying I don't think that we should deviate from how we normally proceed. Of course it is. In other words, I don't think that we should come back and hold this trial, which is basically just a is, is basically just an argument on the merits that we shouldn't hold a trial until later. Yeah, and 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 while we're on the subject, why do they need a trial at all? Well, the, I mean, we, well, we the, all saw because the Constitution provides we, for it. But but okay. what a trial a, a trial need not be. You know, so, so the question is under the Constitution, do you have to afford this, the president a chance to like, you know, they're all the question is, of what is this, the content and this of it? Is, that's a much better way to say the point I was trying to make, which is that, um, you know, it's it, de- defining the word trial. I mean, trial has trials in the United States and state and federal court have summary procedures um, where it's a it's a question of law. There are not disputes about fact that are material and you simply go right to the legal question. I don't understand why the Senate trial would take more than a day. <laughs> so it's, it's fascinating because um 
you know, people are always looking for analogies with impeachments, and there are plenty of good articles and writers on this. And and you know, I can't possibly keep in my head all the great things people have said about both the history and 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 theory of impeachments. And this is a kind of you know, if we're having guests, we should get someone on who who knows about this stuff. But um, but I think what makes impeachment difficult is that it is analogous in many ways to criminal law. People make analogies to because it's a trial to kind of criminal procedure. There's conviction, right? And um, right. and in many ways, it's analogous to like a civil proceeding. Because in many ways, the penalties are not severe, right? They're in the, personally severe. It's not like the person's going to be deprived of liberty. So the, the normal triggers for elaborate process arising from basic human rights aren't there in impeachments. You're not on even the, deprived of money except the salary right. you would continue to collect if you weren't fired from your job. But on the other hand, for the body politic, the consequences are far more severe than an individual criminal proceeding right sure. because you're talking about undoing an election right yes uh and or, or removing a judge from life tenure or you know you're you're chain you're you're using majoritarian power to overcome some legitimate procedure otherwise legitimate procedure of government on what you say are, are good grounds in a situation which is almost you know which which is um as far as we know never reviewable in any other body Right. So so if on the, on the one hand, like this idea that the president would have a due process right to some, to present a case like that's something that 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 seems right coming from the world of criminal law and based out of human rights, but seems wrong if you're thinking of like, like civil process. Um, and yet this is neither fish nor fowl. Right. Like, well, it may be. I mean, it, it may even be. A, a good idea from a civil process point of view. I mean, uh, ci- civil civil process has to follow due process standards as much as criminal process does. It's just that our, our intuitions about what might be satisfactory in the civil case, where what's at stake is usually just a sum of money. You can get summary um, judgment in a civil suit, right? Where you you don't you don't have a right to a trial. Yes, yeah, so you don't. Yeah, you don't have a right to a trial in the absence of material, genuine issues of material fact. Right. True. Um, and, and in and in that sense, a criminal defendant. Uh, yeah, you can't. You can't. There's like no summary judgment of conviction. Right. Um, that's true. And, and that and the fact that there's no summary judgment of conviction is a hallmark of the rule of law in in uh, in rule of law countries. Right. And and I think that that intuition proceeds from some basic conceptions of human rights. Right. The, sure. The, the, some basic ideas of, of what the state owes to the individual under e- any circumstance. And, and, in, but, an, and in an yeah. impeachment proceeding where the, the, <laughs> the thing complained of is a direct attack on the continued existence of the state that is affording you those procedures. It, it is a bit of a knot. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, like I said, there are things pushing in both directions. I mean, the reasons to have a tri- to have trial process in an impeachment um, trial have, aren't aren't like basic individual human rights, right? It is about like what what the democracy owes itself, yes, right, and what the rule of law requires of itself, not what it I requires for a person. Yeah, in, in a well situation said. where where uh, there will not be review by some other tribunal, right, and so the thing has to speak for itself; it has to self justify, right, in a, in a way that an administrative judgment or a prosecutor's decision does not have to self-justify. It is, and then it has to be justified in a court, right? We have these procedures that that put things on the record. So what do you do? I think ultimately, 
you know, we have to make a judgment about what the rule of law requires in given all the exigencies. So if you have a president who's got like his or her finger on the nuclear trigger, right, and and is determined to wipe out the United States and is going to launch nuclear weapons on ourselves, I think you can impeach and remove that person immediately, you know, without a bunch of because um, what the rule of law requires has nothing to do with the kind of the interests of the president, him or herself. It is the interests of the republic at stake. Um, and so anyway, I, you know, we could go into like, I think what, um, maybe we should, I don't know if you want to talk about it more, but, um, you, yeah, you seem to be, it, I'm, I'm hesitating cause you seem pensive over there. Well, the, you know, I'm just thinking about the range of abuses of office that are impeachable offenses and, um, you know, some abuses of office probably don't raise the, the sort of, um, the level of, of sort of, <laughs> of a palpable uh, attack that last week's events raised for me. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, and there's so, nothing, so yeah. that my, my sense of what process would be appropriate, um, the, the closer the abuse lands in the, in the bullseye of trying to actually undo the very form of government we have. Yeah. Um, which is, again, what I think was a foot last week. Um, but I think you'd then, agree that n- normally, though, you wouldn't favor snap impeachment convictions. Like, it, certainly you wouldn't want to see them normalized, right? I mean, you would want to see... No. A- and so, but so I also don't want to yeah. see normalized a, the, a, a, a losing president's effort to seize all the reins of power. Well, this is I the way... I see that know, normalized either. One, one other aspect of... <laughs> if we're going to use the criminal analogy that, that occurs to me is in criminal law... To the extent you have these exigency concerns that are competing against your human rights concerns, um, there is an ability to hold the person pending the trial, right? It's like, you know, someone's uh, accused of murdering someone else, right? They have a right to a trial. They have a right to make their case. The government can't really punish the person until the case is made. And yet, in a nod to reality, we don't let that uh, accused murderer just wander around town maybe murdering other people, right? Like there's this balance sure. that's struck in terms of like holding them and, and depriving them of the liberty, perhaps erroneously, but this is the best we can do. Yeah. And there is nothing like th- this is maybe the 25th Amendment point, right? There, There is nothing other than the 25th Amendment, which would temporarily pull a president's power for the duration of a trial. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that is the kind of lacuna into which this problem falls, right? The trial process is too slow. I mean, how much more damage can he do in the next week and a half is is right. is part of what we're wondering here. But um, and the larger problem, larger than all these, is that we're in this context where we're trying to use separation of powers mechanisms to deal with separation of parties realities, and and that, and so a lot of this stuff just is an ill fit. Yeah, and and might not have been at some point in the past, but now is fundamentally right. right. Yeah, there's kind of an internal Senate dynamic that is more important than the Senate versus president dynamic. And and all the procedures are set up to adjudicate the Senate president dynamic rather than the Senate Senate dynamic. And where that internal Senate dynamic is partisan in nature yeah, yeah. and everyone knows the party of the president, right. and the party of the senators who were in either a majority or minority. Right. Well, so I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> We got a, we we could go on for another couple hours about other issues, but I feel a little bit spent. 
<laughs> yeah, that so yeah, we're this is a we're processing things together out loud episode. Uh I, there's no problem with that, is there? This is our not show. a problem at all. It's not a problem at all. Um yeah, I think we usually uh wind up having conversations that uh are more productive of insights than than this one has been but that that's <laughs> thanks okay. a lot joe thanks a lot i'm just trying to share my best insights with you uh, okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they're i mean they're in we're, we're all just sort of struggling uh, okay i'm struggling this is all madness yeah at, at, at some at a very basic this was sort of your point earlier about let's not lose sight of the larger picture here mm-hmm. like we could talk about amazon web services telling parlor to go pound sand but and and regulating internet platforms raises lots of interesting questions which by the way it does um but gee golly (laughs) you know we're this is a very bizarre time and it's bizarre because of this madness that we're talking about yeah you've got issues you've got like 20 percent of the country which on a word would turn with weapons against the rest of us you got another twenty to another fifteen percent or so that could possibly be motivated in that direction, um, and uh, um, and a partisan system in which the th- that's more than enough to win a Republican primary, right? And and so you end up with this reality denying public sphere, where instead of debating subtlety and and, and different ways of looking at the world, it's. Uh, you know our issues are so stupid they're just dumb issues you know this is uh, a, you're reminding me of a point i wanted to make about um and, and you brought it up again today about the the sort of there are always arguments thing. yeah yeah and i've been thinking about this a lot as as an you know an educator in a law school that's about to go back into session um and and i think that um in, in particular in legal education where part of what we're trying to teach our students is the the way to advocate effectively within the bounds of conventional legal argumentation mm-hmm. um, to, to understand that the contours of that when they see others do it and and uh, use that as a way to learn how to do it for themselves right um, the, the there's always an argument point and the the way that can be sort of <laughs> deployed cringingly in exam context or otherwise um, like a, a thing that I that I try to focus on, although I do, I'm less um, consistent about it than I probably should be, and, and it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately, is um, rem- helping students see, because we, we, we te- I think we tend to focus a lot in the conventional casebook methodology of law teaching uh, for, for doctrinal courses. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to focus a lot on the parts, the, the reason why this, there's an argument thing comes up so much is because we tend to focus on the cases that are hard. Right, because that's what appellate courts tend to focus on. Right, um, and at least the, makes at least it, appeals that we want to teach. Like, if there's something to teach, it's because smart people disagreed about it. Yeah, and the, and and the nature of the disagreement is in the fact that opposed sides could both view themselves as likely to win, mm-hmm. which is what makes it hard to come to an agreement absent getting a court to tell you who wins. Right, right. Um, that um what what 
I think it's good to remind students of in the process of coping with all of that is the answers in the context of applying a particular statute or common law principle or administrative rule or whatever it might be, the instances that are easy. Right. Well, where, this is this where, is the Larry Solom um, um, criticism of of the crits, right? The the indeterminacy crisis um, piece that we've talked about before, uh, where um, where you know w- one of the arguments against um, the crits focus on legal indeterminacy is in fact there are lots of easy cases. Now, where I think that's more complicated is like the es- the issue of like what what is it that makes them easy, and I don't know that it's text or anything necessarily internal to law, but yes, and, and you can um, you can appreciate the phenomenon of easiness without being able to explain its sources and its yeah. limits. Yeah. Um, but but it is it is the truth that at least in my experience, it is the truth that there are some disputes in pick an area of law, right? In in antitrust law or in patent law or in trademark law, there are some disputes that well-informed lawyers would tell you to a person, the right way to analyze this is as follows, and it leads to the following conclusion, period, full stop. That, that it's not a hard case, it's an easy case. And this, is not an, you, and this is not an area which is, for whatever reason, ripe for kind of theoretical renewal, where we would right. suddenly open the area up to new answers. This is one where it's not open to new answers, and there are good reasons right. it's not. A lot of other things would have to change before this thing get, got into the bucket of murky, hard, theoretical whatever, disagreement. Which isn't kind of, to say yeah. it's impossible that that could happen, right. but a lot of other things would have to happen first before this thing got hard. Right. Um, and we, I don't, I, I think we do a little bit of a disservice to our students in, in some contexts when we don't stop and point out the things we, I've just been saying with yeah. some concrete examples, right? Like, yeah, we're going to talk today about this thing that's the hard issue here, but don't lose sight of the fact that here are the three things that are very, very easy that people rely on all the time that your clients are going to count on you to counsel them about correctly. Right, because the expectation because is you really should, is the yeah. answer. The expectation is you should be able to argue either side of this. I throw out something, you should be able to argue either side, and that's the expectation that students have, right? That's but it's a but it's an unhealthy expectation. Yeah, no, I, that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, and I, it's I think. Uh, like the um, the at least but, when but it's poli- decontextualized. Right, the political sphere though is one in which like every people just expect. Well, you know, I can, and part 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 of this is people I think in the political sphere mistake strong feelings for convictions, right? For, for logical convictions or rational convictions. Um, this is uh, the first episode of the Colbert Report back in the day. You remember, you remember when the Colbert Report first got started? And, yes, um, this is the famous truthy episode. That, yes, truthiness. And I think it was in that one where he promised the viewers that um, rather than read the news to you, he would feel the news at you. <laughs> Which, he is you know, such a genius. He is a genius, and and it captures every problem. You know, it captures so many of our problems for the for the uh, right. both the preceding and the following decades. That people, you know, you, you see these people showing up at these like um, uh, um, uh, city council mask debates, right? About mask ordinances, like people just, you know, they feel the stronger they feel about it, the more they feel that they're right, right? And, and it's not like the strong feeling comes from a conviction about being right. It's like the feeling comes first, right? And the feeling yeah. is conformed by tribe is 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 formed by tribal identity and all kinds of other things. And so it's this again, it's this whirlwind of garbage that we talked about before, right? That that comes from feelings, and um, 
And so there's this idea that there's always an argument in the political sphere, right, is not just a matter of training. It's a matter of identity. Like there's a winner and a loser on this issue. And I can identify with my side because it feels right. And and the more I feel that, that my side is at stake, kind of the more I'll argue. And, you know, it, it, because there's always an argument, I can just point to this or that or, or this blog post over here or this thing over there, and I can just make this thing. And so that's how you get things like, well, Donald Trump really, run the elect- really won the election. Like the, the, the issue of who won the election is an issue about which people can just ag- agree or disagree. That, that, the effort was to make the election an issue like that. Right. Um, and- but it is, as you say, it is, legally, it's an easy case. Like, this is an example of what you say, right? That this is every single issue people have raised about the election um, is, in, is, in fact, an easy case from the perspective that, that you raise. However, it is one about which people have very disparate feelings, and those feelings have led to arguments. Yeah, and when, you're, when your MO is, uh, I, I, w- I want to follow the feelings wherever they take me, um, no matter what the facts might be, I, I that I think that's pretty dangerous. But and I I just want to say like I'm not immune to this. Um, I, I wasn't claiming immunity yeah, yeah, from it so, either. I'm, right. So so it's not. A, but I, we're describing a pathology. The thought is not I want to follow the feelings. The thought is I want to follow the rightness, and I'm mistaking the the feeling of rightness from actual rightness. Right. Like we're deluded by our feelings a lot of the times. Um, like I've told I've said on the show before, like even when I was a mathematician and I would pro- I would have a proof of something. Right. Like you would feel the proof become you would you would feel the answer almost before you got to it. Like you would feel, oh, that's that's it. And it would it, there's this feeling associated with it. The, like yeah. this is how we human beings work. We respond to feelings. Yes. And and it, and the feelings either scaffold or I'm not sure exactly how it, you know, you can describe it in different ways. Um, but it's really hard to disentangle those things. And I think one of the problems is that we have a political culture in which the feelings are just kind of freewheeling without any, yeah. you know, engagement. But but the the reflective using using reflection to try to disentangle them is important because all, for as true as it is that um, you know if you get near something rotting and the smell makes your face start to crinkle up um, you like go with that <laughs> back away don't put it in your mouth um, it's probably going to hurt you um, like that's real mm-hmm. and um, and having that coexist with the fact that you know another group of people getting power and doing a thing on a policy basis that you think just seems really really wrong right might make your face curl up in just the same way or close like it's not the same thing it's not the same as the rotting food mm. and you and you you know you have to i have to we all have to um engage in enough reflection and consideration to not just let it all be what smells good and what smells bad metaphorically or literally well i think that's a show i think we've said it all holly and cruz should resign trump should be impeached (laughs) or removed i you know there's what what else are we going to do here we've said it all we've said it all i think that's that's a show 
that's just not that's just not true. We're going to have another show. We did we didn't say it all. That's true. We will have another show, but not right now. So yes, I think that's I think that's a good call. All right. Well, I'm going to hit stop.